Oh, no. All right, welcome to the Big Story Podcast. I'm Alex Morrissey. I'm Kitty Dufna. And today, we have Ira Marks joining us in the, in the house. In the house. Yeah. Yay! Hey. Ah, welcome, here. Ira. <laughs> Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> wow. Board. What a response. Know, you'd expect a giant audience, a huge, it's a huge crowd. Huge crowd. Yeah, wow. I mean. We keep them packed on the other side of Gary's uh, studio, but they're there. They're yeah, they have just off camera. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the modern of magic. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, Ira, yeah. where are you in this country of ours? Oh, great question, Alex. Um, it's like one of the deep <laughs> questions diving in. I'm in uh, upstate New York. Oh, nice. Uh, the capital region area in a town called Troy. Hello. So, I've right. Been in Troy. Okay, yeah, right along the Hudson River, um, okay. kind of an old industrial town that's got a bit of a, you know, revival of, I don't know, art and culture going on. So kind of a cool, cool spot, a little cool. a bit of New York City flavor here, and then a lot of mostly rural yeah. New York State stuff as well. So it's a good combo. Nice. Yeah, I've, you know, it's been... <laughs> 15-ish years since I've been to Troy. So it was not up and coming at the time. Uh, that was happening on the other side of the, the river at that moment. So um, <laughs> finally made that, it over. <laughs> it's good to hear that Troy is caught, caught, up, caught on. Yeah, uh, there's stuff going on. <laughs> that's awesome. That's fantastic. How long have you been there? Uh, I've lived here about 10 years or so. Okay. Uh, yeah, we were, well, I'm originally from Northern New York, which is like upstate, but way higher where oh so it's like shorts all around for you now yeah and yeah. uh we were living in austin texas and then we were coming back to the northeast and um we just had some friends in this area so here we are troy new yeah. york that's yeah. awesome yeah, yeah you know i think i think we a lot of us forget how far north new york goes it goes it goes way up all the way to the top. canada yeah and <laughs> yeah it's it's like because you know when you're when you you know, you travel around New England, like upper New England, you know, there's this very sort of like the, the French influence comes over and, you know, you, you see it on the, the products for sale on the shelves and you're like, oh, this is interesting. But like you, mm -hmm. there's this mental detach, you know, it's like, well, once you get into New York, well, it's all New York City, but it's like so not the case. It's all it's really, really like different up there. Yeah, there's a lot of farmland. I mean, where I grew up, uh, there you know there were cow pastures everywhere and manure trucks driving by all day. So it gets uh, you know rural really quickly. Yeah, and then yeah. there's so much of that, and then also all kinds of old industry because you got the Erie Canal and stuff. So right, um, right. That, I mean, that's a history a, there. That, you know, and that's you know that's a bit of history that I think that has been really lost. Like that. Whole oh yeah canal industry because it like it predates the the railroad industry and it was really the railroad for like a hundred years if not yeah. um yeah we should get in on that we should we should bring them back and uh start our own because like listen <laughs> price, of, price of electricity and gas is just outrageous we, it's true you know, we'll real power yeah we'll get get ourselves some 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 uh you know cattle and they'll pull uh -huh. donkeys, mules, mules. We need mules, more mules, <laughs> mules per hour. You know that kind of stuff. Yes, yeah. yes. I'm, I'm all I'm all about that. Okay. Um, so, like, when you grew up in Upstate, was it was it just you, or did you have siblings, or what was the uh, what was the? Uh, yeah, I've got a younger sister who's okay. uh, who's cool. Um, she wasn't into <laughs> comics really, but she's still well, cool. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, we grew up in a really rural, small town. Uh, just a, a lot of me and my imagination. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've got a sister and uh, and I just drew, just drawing all day. So you were, I mean, so you were just like kind of lost in your, your, your own imagination, making stuff all the time kind of kid. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's how a lot of us comics people end yeah. up, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, that we you know there are outliers. I mean, we, we, we mm -hmm. do, you know, there are people out there who are like, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of got into comics like, you know, like five years ago and thought it'd be a really cool thing to do. And it's like, so you don't have any background in art, like, nope. And I'm like, man you know um yeah you know but you wonder like i mean you wonder if like the how the human brain works like when you have more faculty and facility with the the gray matter like maybe mm -hmm. you can just kind of go like hey here's what i want to do and you just kind of like make it happen versus like a kid is just sort of like this is what i like to do or i'm distracted by this or who knows yeah i think with comics uh you know since i was a kid you have way more access to like graphic novels at a young age and there's a whole space in the library for that so i think comics literacy is yeah. just a as like i i teach a lot so i meet a lot of young kids so i think about this stuff but um i i think it's actually baked in into them at a younger age to be able to just make comics so i, I think a lot of this generation that's coming up that might that like they're like new to comics or they didn't they weren't obsessing over like the x-men as a kid they still know how to make comics just because it's like in the way, like I took poetry classes in high school, I think kids might be like drawing uh, journal comics yeah. instead. And it, it just becomes like a, a, a skill set, a communication it's, tool. And it's so interesting. Like you say that I'm thinking, oh, yeah, like there's going to be like, like even like the most sort of like Indian people like, you know, still has like this sort of early relationship like with the mm -hmm. x-men or spider-man or something or batman something sort of significant in the in the in the market but then like i have a feeling like there's going to be like this shift where like i never saw a batman comic you know like right like, totally. you know like i yeah. only read you know graphic novels that were you know in the library or something like that mm -hmm. and you go wow okay like like the whole art form of story craft in this respect is is definitely going to change just mm -hmm. due to sort of that introduction accessibility um yeah stuff even stuff like captain underpants or some of some of those sure. like the dogman books like they have elements of comic like sequential art narrative even though they're kind of like kid illustrated novels in a way yep. you know like all the it's all a gray area um with that well, stuff now like comics can kind of be part of anything really. yeah which i think is i mean which is fantastic i mean because yeah. you know i mean the, the relegation like you know, I had very supportive parents, you know, my mother is super supportive in my artistic endeavor, but she didn't mm -hmm. like comic books. Like she just right. flat out didn't like them. And it was one of those things where it was like, you know, maybe my whole career was based off of just, you know, sort of oppositional disorder. I don't know, but it was, uh, you know, I was just didn't get the sort of like, yeah, comic seems like a really good thing for you to do. It was just sort of like, you think you want to get into like, you know, I don't know, like set design, like anything hmm, but yeah. was, the, was, was a discussion. Something that seemed like it had a proven industry track record, I, think I guess, that was right? Like a creative industry that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. I, and it, yeah. I mean, and the thing is like, to me, I was always like, well, there's a job there. Like these books have to be done. Like someone has yeah. to do them. But like, clearly they knew more than I did in the sense of like that. It's probably not the, you know, the <laughs> right. Yeah. Probably, 
And it's, I mean, that stuff still exists today. I guess you could say this about any creative industry, but you still, yeah. you know, if I visit a school, like people still, like adults that don't read comics, like teachers, people, no disrespect to any of these people, they just really haven't engaged with the medium, but yeah. they'll talk about comics like, oh, it's a stepping stone to like real books. Like they mm -hmm. won't say that literally, but you can tell yeah. that's what they think a comic is. Sure. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, this is like the art form I, I chose. You can't, don't talk about it like it's a lesser than. Yeah, um, no, but we, I think there's still that stigma. With yeah, we had plenty of people like in art school who were like in the cartooning department and they were like, yeah, I really just want to draw, I really want to direct films. I'm like, well, what are you doing mm -hmm. in the cartooning department? Like, why are you not over there? And it's like, you know, like, yeah, I mean, sure. And listen, anything could be a stepping stone, but don't like get into something thinking it's a stepping stone because like, right. you know, that may not be the best product, you know, best use of your own time. Yeah, not so, a great way to look at it. I, I were, the, were your parents like super supportive of your your like your your work like as a kid? Yeah, yeah. I I was really lucky. I'm you know I grew up in the in a, a an old farmhouse. My dad never finished working on. <laughs> uh, so like you know we didn't really have a lot growing up. But he he was like a he was a real kind of Renaissance man. I used to younger. I used to think he had an artistic mindset, but I think he was just like. Uh, he liked the trades like he he did silversmith work. He worked on cars and he built the house I grew up in. Yeah. Um, so I think he was really appreciative of like creative process. Yeah. And then my mom, uh, she was she was a yoga teacher. They, they were real like classic hippies. They lived yeah. in a van, moved all over the country until like, you know, the day I was like literally born. They're like, well, I guess maybe we need to find a house. Uh, <laughs> this van is too wow. small. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we ended up in way northern New York because it was just cheap. And my dad decided he wanted to be a hermit. Um, but, you know, they were always supportive of whatever I wanted to do with my creativity. Uh, but, you know, it's not like I could if we I, I do looking back, I'm like, oh, I could have used a little more access to some cities as a kid. Like I would have loved to, you know, be a little closer to New York City sure. or something. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. They were super supportive. So I I just was always drawing or you know whatever like computers were kind of a new thing in the mid 90s when i was a kid like mm -hmm. getting on the internet was a thing so i had my little like technical obsessions like in phases but i i always kind of came back to just drawing comics oh, that's cool. uh, yeah were, and they were totally like, supportive what were the books that you like you remember like kind of getting like that sort of caught your interest when you were young like thinking yeah. about this is something well, I'm, I'm like, I'm 40. So, you know, I think anybody my age and older, you grow up with the newspaper comic strips first, because that's sure. whether you want it or not, that's like your first access probably to yeah. comics, because it's the only non-boring page in the newspaper. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and uh, so me and my dad would, you know, read those together. So comics were always, uh, while I spend most of my time alone working on them, in my mind, it's always like something that's in, you can engage with other people. Like you, you can't really sit and read a novel with a friend, but comics, like you can kind of look over each other's shoulder yeah. and enjoy them together. So turn the paper around and go, look, look, you know, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so it, I always thought of it that way as a kid. Um, so I think that made me want to make them and they seemed so simple because you needed simple language and you didn't have to have amazing artistic skills to like get your story across. Right. So, you know, I was reading newspaper comic strips and of course, like Calvin and Hobbes is like foundational for me because it was, it's it was, it was happening at that time. The greatest. Yeah. I mean, it is the great, I mean, there are, there are, you know, innumerable, amazing comic strips of, you know, for the yeah. last three and a half, but 
I, it, it may just very well be the best ever. Yeah, it's like the Beatles of comics. Or yeah, oh, you know, it's just somehow it. so above and beyond and so yeah. rich that yep. you could just spend forever rereading them. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Calvin Calvin Hobbes could talk about it all day. There was like definitely a long period where I had kind of memorized almost every strip. Like I had all the collections and I would just stare at them infinitely. Um, yeah. So that was, that was my first kind of introduction to that. And then, uh, you know, like I said, I didn't really live near a city, but in the town over, there was a funeral home. And in the back of the funeral home, the uh, the kid of the family who ran the funeral homes opened a comic shop just with like a bunch of boxes of his old books. And then he started getting like new issues. So uh, my hmm. friends and I would go in there every couple of weeks and I started reading. He didn't really have new stuff. So I I kind of lucked out, actually, and I discovered like Chris Claremont's run of the X-Men. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Because like to this day, I'm like, well, Chris Claremont is like an icon. Um, I, I was glad I was there for for his stuff. So I was reading a lot of those like mid 80s, like X-Men mm -hmm. uh, stuff when Wolverine's in his like brown and yellow suit. And you've yep. got like uh, so th that that was a great Mark run. Silvestri's run. Kind of that. What's that? Mark Silvestri. That sounds oh, like hell yeah. Silvestri yeah. Years, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I, I uh, there was just a great range of characters in those books. Like I, I never was really drawn to, you know, I had some Spider-Man and, and stuff, but I, I really liked the mix of characters in X-Men where yeah. you just had all these different points of views and all these different age ranges of, of characters and they were all over the world. And also they were in upstate New York, kind of near me. So I'm like, oh, that's okay, true. things can like, happen. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, to that's totally true. Like, I mean, it, it, it's- it's that's awesome. <laughs> no, that's totally true. Like, yeah, like I, I, you think about that and how like the geography of a comic book kind of like makes people go like, oh, that's, that's, that's close to me or that's a thing that I know. Right. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, like that makes complete <laughs> sense. Awesome. Like, I think they're near like Winchester, uh, Westchester. Like, yeah, they're like fancy right outside New York area. But technically, right. in my little mind, I'm That's like, upstate cool, New York down the street. Yeah, it, it would yeah. like it would also say like upstate New York, you know, Westchester exactly. County, you know, and like, you know, right. so it was like, all right, well, that's you, you know, that phrase upstate New York. So that's mm -hmm. right down the road. So yeah, uh, that's like yeah, those little things, you know, that you latch on to when you're. A kid. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and kids and kids are, have an amazing facility for like latching on to stuff. Like even mm. if it's like partially correct information, they're like, nope, this is the thing. And I'm in it, you know, and you're like, yes, go for it. You know, so I think we all like there's the mispronunciation of words when you're a kid. You're like, <laughs> no, that's the way it's pronounced. And you're like, mm, it's not. But keep going, you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I. Uh, that that's kind of my uh, I, I was kind of in and out of superhero comics pretty sure. quick because then I, I started as I got a little older and I was like a you know an angsty teen oh, I, yeah. I got really into um, like whatever the the indie stuff was at the comic shop so now I was getting to go to Syracuse which is the city sure. like an hour away from where I grew up where there's like a college and everything and in that comic shop that's where I found um, Bone like Jeff Smith's Bone when yeah, it was first starting. Yep. Because nothing looked like Bone. I know we take Bone for granted now. It's like a foundation of a whole market, <laughs> like mm -hmm. a, the middle grade market of books. But um, I remember just looking at the shelves and there there was like real antagonistic punky comics like uh, Milk and Cheese and yeah. like Love Pockets and all this like disaffected youth. And then there was Bone, which was like, this is, this looks like Mickey Mouse, but it's like darker. Mm -hmm. um, so I, and uh, so that was like issue three of Bone. 
I, I found it. And then uh, Bone is kind of like my, aside from Calvin and Hobbes, Bone is sure. essentially me because I, I found that issue when I was like 13. And then I, I grew up reading Bone every other month when Jeff Smith like finally got around to like getting that issue printed. And it was like every other month until I graduated college was like the month that the last issue came out, like May 2004. So oh, yeah. I like Bone is just literally my uh, coming of age story. Yeah, yeah it's your uh, adolescence. Yeah. So Bone uh, and that sort of um, I think reading Bone really and for that long really locked in the kind of independent mindset because Jeff Smith. He was aligned with Image Comics for a little while, but really cartoon books still exist today. He does Kickstarters. Mm -hmm. he, he was doing it all himself. And I think that's what comics became because I, I did love the collaboration of X-Men and Marvel and like the magic of, of the big publisher. But then at the end of the day, I was always really drawn to the indie stuff, like because you could just really feel the the person behind the, the page. Totally. So Jeff Smith, you know, essential for me. And then I, I got into like cooler stuff like uh, British culture, I feel like was a really big deal, like around train spotting mid nineties. So I was into like Jamie Hewlett's tank girl, which is, yeah. you know, still to this day, like just this chaotic energy mm -hmm. of a comic book. Um, and then I, and, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I, I still think about tank girl whenever I go to draw like a more of an action scene. I'm like, how do I, how do I like yell off the page in that Jamie Hewlett way where things feel like they're just about to like burst at any moment? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I found like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Uh, you, you know, Johan Vasquez, he went on to do yep. like in Invader Zim on Nickelodeon. Uh, so Johnny the Homicidal Maniac was also a big deal because that was another like deeper look at what you could do as an independent because it felt like you were just in his brain mm. with those six issues of Johnny. Like, so if you're not familiar, it's just, it's this, I mean, it's a book that's supposed to upset your parents because it's called Johnny the Homicidal sure. Maniac, but it was really like just kind of a journal of like a goth kid who just didn't fit in, which was yeah. like anybody in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> no, and that's, and it's so interesting, you know, we were, we were jabbing about, um, you know, emo music, but like, that's the kind of thing is like, yeah. you know, that's the kind of, like you said, it's like, it, it's like the journal, the, you know, the sort of the, the internal dialogue of someone whose society has said, you're the homicidal maniac, you know, like yeah. it, it's, you know, like it's that, it's that sort of that the vibe that other people put on you. And it's mm -hmm. like, well, it, is this me or is it like, or am I like not this? And yeah, it's that whole sort of internal journey. Um, yeah, it's it's it, Gary. I mean, Gary has sort of a similar background with comics because, you know, yeah. Gary, you know, whatever, you know, after cartoon strips, Gary's, you know, sort of major interest in made in the major comics is very limited. And he really found, you know, indie comics in the early, you know, yeah, the early 80s. And like yeah. that's sort of like that spoke to him just like it did with you. Like, oh, somebody's sitting and doing this and making a thing. And here's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the trend. Like, it's the same thing with music, right? As soon as you kind of get past the big names, you're like, you discover you two or whatever. You want the independent labels. You want the things that are a little yeah. more hyper-focused on, like, the things you're passionate about or, like, you know, the references or the guitar tones or just finding a label that put out a bunch of stuff that's like, oh, I just love this record label. So you love the person behind the record label, then you discover who that, you know, it's all like this totally. journey of, like, connecting the pieces going yep. behind the scenes you know um it's a fun fun journey yeah no, i i totally I, so so you're graduating from college bone is mm. bone is you know ending wrapping like, up yeah 
what like what was your like what was your life vision like at that point for yourself yeah so i uh during my years in school I, I i felt i was always trying to be practical like you were talking earlier about like your your parents being like why don't you try this site like i know you want to do this but like what if it's over here i think i was doing that to myself because my parents never said anything like that to me so i'm i knew i loved to draw and i was into tech and i i made like some zines with my friends in high school so i'm like i guess i'll get into commercial art and i'll learn to make logos and websites and like at best case scenario i'll get to design a band's website someday um like do poster art um so i kind of had that vibe for a couple years and then i just sort of got tired of adobe software <laughs> after two or three years um and kind of playing around with all these different things and realized that i wanted to get back to like telling stories that's where i felt happiest mm -hmm. so by my senior year i was just back into taking uh i i, I had a teacher that taught one semester of a comics class and i'm like i'm oh. just gonna i'm gonna do this so i didn't i didn't get to study drawing or comics uh or anything like that in college i just learned a lot of software um okay. which is fine you know i made a lot of stop motion videos and stuff like that and played around with mediums but um i didn't really have any like set training in in comics but by the time i was a senior i'm like i'm gonna make comics and but by, by that point i felt like the the indie comic scene had was getting bigger so they're um, like top shelf like all these smaller publishers mm -hmm. were starting to put out books by like younger artists like james kolchaka who did american elf was oh, yeah sure getting big then and i was yeah. like oh okay so you don't have to have a, a big epic story like bone or you don't have to be like a genius like mark silvestri and draw like human anatomy at like a highly rendered level you can just kind of like tell weird little stories with whatever skills you have. So I think that really appealed to me. So I, I just started working random after school teaching jobs and uh, just submitting my comics to like anthology collections. And, you know, the same process you'd go through if you were like a young writer, you know, you yeah, try to yeah. get into your short stories published. And I was doing that for years. That's cool. So, you know, because I mean, man, it's like, I think what I'm always... Like I'm fascinated, like, listen, everybody has dreams, you mm -hmm. know, and everybody, and but not everybody chases the dreams. You know, some people, you know, the idea of, of trying to do it is a little more intimidating than actually doing it. And then there are people who try to do it, but have like, they don't have immediate success. Right. And, you know, so then the question is like, how does a person get from like nothing to something? And like, where does that like, like, that sort of stick to itness, you know, that gumption, um, mm -hmm. lack of a better term, come into for people. Like, so were you, did you feel that you had like good response early or was it a, how am I going to get, how am I going to get in? How am I going to get this going? Like, what was the self-talk for you? Yeah, it's funny because that's the version of the story I think I always imagined I was supposed to have because that's what movies are always telling you. It's like, they brought their portfolio to New York City and they tried until they never gave up and they finally got the dream job and then they made the thing that you know so well, isn't it? Yeah. And there's a bow on it. But to me, it, it like looking back now, I'm like, I actually never really knew what I wanted to do other than whatever I was currently doing. I And I found that like people were teaching me <laughs> what I could be good at by like making little scenarios for me. So like in this era of anthology comics, a lot of the collections were themed. It might be like 
a collection of stories about childhood after the apocalypse or whatever little premise that a publisher <laughs> would put on it. And then I'd be like, okay, that's interesting. I have like five pages. Here's a story that fits that theme. And then hopefully it would get accepted. And I, I started sort of doing that a lot. And um, I felt like that's I built awesome. a lot of skills through that. And those weren't, I mean, I would have an idea, but it would always be an idea inside somebody else's deadline and format. And right. then I just made all these really small steps. Like I did some anthologies. Then I had an old friend from high school build me a website so I could start doing like web comics because that was also, you know, come, you know, coming of age at that time. Yeah. Like you couldn't really monetize on them unless maybe you were super popular. Like yeah. maybe you could have a PayPal donate button, but it was just, I just knew a lot of people in the community that were doing them. So then I started doing a web comic and I got a couple people reading it. It never got famous, mm -hmm. uh, but I did it for a couple of years and ran a, like a Kickstarter for it. It was this book called Witch Knots. And okay. I was able to print a couple hundred in like the first wave of Kickstarter. Right so it, it was like a, you know, I never made a dollar off it, but I got to get my book out there. Yeah. Um, you know, so that was kind of that phase after doing the anthology stuff. So it's like, you know, I never had this bigger goal of, you know, there was a gatekeeper that I had to get through to get to where I wanted with my stories. It was like little, little steps of just like moderate success or like something yeah. working and just kind of following it, you know? Did you, I mean, did you, did you have an internal sort of storyline of like, Hey, here's hmm. where I want to go. Like, did you like say, Hey, I, I really want to do X. Like I want to do, you know, 154 page graphic. Novel. Oh yeah. I mean, no, I, I don't know I'm coming up with. Yeah. I think once I discovered that kind of James Kolchaka format where you could like yeah. do a thing a day, I, I guess without realizing it, I was building a skill set. So like the Witch Knots comic that I did, I, I had this fantasy world premise about this town that has these magic stones under it. And it, when a citizen finds it, it, it transforms them into this like anthropomorphic character that evokes their like inner personality. And I was like, okay, it's kind of like a fantasy world of like Calvin and Hobbes. Like what if what if Hobbes was like the main character? Like, you know, you yep. only see him as, the, you know, in Calvin and Hobbes, he's only Calvin can see him. So it was a little bit of that premise mixed with, I, I guess, a bit of just like classic fantasy world building. Mm -hmm. And then I just did a three panel comic strip three days a week with that, because that's what I saw other people doing with theirs. And uh, I just kept doing it for two years. And then I was able to bring back, you know, my skill set from college of knowing the whole Adobe suite. Mm -hmm. I could like, compile that all into InDesign and, you know, I made my own font and I designed the cover and I was able to print that. So I think I lucked out in that without a plan, I realized in college, I'd actually built this important skill set of like printing and production. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I never had to, um, you know, uh, rely on somebody if I wanted to like put a book out, I, I could make a zine. I knew, I knew how to go to Kinko's and like do all that, or I knew how to reach out to, up, uh, independent press and like, you know, work with them to get like, you know, 800 copies of a hardcover mm -hmm. done. Um, so I, I think I just luckily had built this, the right skill set to like continue on my own journey without needing somebody to like approve a thing and let me yeah. do it, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, it does. And like, and it's also, you know, another thing is that, you know, there's a certain thing about timing, you know, mm, that, yeah. you know there's you know you say like you know early on a kickstarter like there is this sort of like period of like time that happened sort of post 2007 ish you know like with the advent of social media and then 
you know, you know, I remember hearing this whole idea of crowdfunding, crowdfunding, mm -hmm. you know, it was really before Kickstarter had made a real name for itself. And because I think was birth of crowdsourcing. So like there's a whole kind of, you know, movement in early 2000s of crowdsourcing information. Like mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you gain information from a larger, larger audience? And, you know, it's this kind of this incremental thing, you know, and to now the point, the whole, you know, ability to make a comic book where you don't know if you have the skills, you don't need to know how to use design or any of these sort of extraneous, you know, you know, tools, you know, you spent time learning or Gary spent time learning, I spent time learning. It's a really interesting thing because the barrier gets pulled lower and lower to where more people can kind of better and go, hey, something to say. And uh, I think that's pretty, it's pretty, you know, pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so you did picture how was this by the way? Oh, hold on, hold on, Alex. I'm losing you in that last sentence. Let me uh, close Alex, a couple you're, tabs. You're breaking up, Alex. Oh, is it him? Maybe. I'm... Yeah, it's him. Okay. Because you're have, fine like, not... and I'm fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Am I fine now? Uh, I can hear you, but you're you're kind of frozen. <laughs> you're the sound like that. <laughs> I, I I don't want to talk like that. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I, I did. I do have like 900 tabs open, so I thought it was me because I'm. Let's doing see some, some artwork, man. I want to go through some yeah. of uh, Ira's work, his his uh, his new book he's putting out and stuff. Oh yeah, that's true. Timeline where we almost caught up. Oh hell yeah! There we that's go. Right. Shark summer. Hey, can you right. hear me? Now yes. I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. So what? What? So when did Shark Summer land? Right. Right. Okay. So. You know, I, just to connect all the dots here, after I was doing the self-publishing, I did, I did a second Kickstarter for another book I was working on. And then I had an agent reach out to me. So when you're talking about, you know, okay. luck, like I just lucked into that in the same way I kind of lucked into Kickstarter existing all of a sudden. Um, so I, I had never actually thought that I had a place in any mainstream publishing in any way. And I, I, it just like never really occurred to me. I'm like, I guess I'll just keep kickstarting and uh, doing random teaching jobs. And I felt pretty fulfilled because I was able to teach comics and I loved yeah. Scott McCloud. Like he was my idol. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'll just right. keep doing this. Um, <laughs> but then I had an agent reach out to me who was like, hey, I think we could, I think we can sell this idea. And um, it was for this book called the aquarium drip, which actually wasn't even a comic. It was like an illustrated uh, adventure novel. It was like this giant sea serpent high seas adventure book. Um, so we started pitching that for a while. I wrote a couple drafts and I had this idea in my head that I was going to like maybe be like a, a middle grade young adult author. Mm -hmm. um, so I had my goal set on that with that agent for a while. And then after like three or four years of trying to get that project sold and a lot of rejection letters, I was like, I got to go back to comics because I know you, my agent found me through this other thing, but comics is like actually what I'm good at. So then we mm. started pitching comics again. Okay. Nice. Uh, and Shark Summer is the thing that that found me someone. And of, of course, there were like a million other fantasy and sci-fi projects that like nobody was picking up on mm -hmm. for years. Um, but then finally, I, I found this editor who liked my work. And she's like, what do, you, what do you got that's not fantasy science fiction that's set in kind of the, a contemporary real world that's about younger kids, um, about like the story of a thing, a thing that existed? And I'm mm -hmm. like... 
I don't know what you mean. And I, but I was like, sure, I've got something. So I like <laughs> sat there that. for a while. And then I had the idea uh, for Shark Summer. Um, yeah. Pop up, so which fit the bill. For her. Yeah. No, I mean, as you just make that description, I'm like, yeah, that fits all the sort of the criteria checklists. So mm -hmm. what was the, what was the, you know, the, um, what was the thing that just kicked off the idea for you? Like, did you like, how did you frame that idea? Because it's, it, it is a really interesting, it's a really interesting approach to a story. Yeah, well, it, it does come back to that. I I feel like as a teacher, I always like to point this stuff out because as y'all probably felt growing up, like there's always when you, you, you know, you read a Bruce Springsteen biography, you're like, one day we were writing songs and next day we were out on tour running the world. I'm like, wait a second. There's like <laughs> little steps along the way. So I always try to point out the little steps. So for this project, it was just this weird filter of like, I love movies. I, I never aspired to be a filmmaker. I live nowhere near that culture. So I was like, I'm never going to go to Hollywood and be a director. But in my heart, I was like, I love directing. I love the, the world of cinema. That was like mm -hmm. always my biggest passion. Um, so I was like, I could tell a story uh, that I know well, which is the story of the making of Jaws. And I kind of wrote it up as a comic pitch. And because I knew this editor enough, to, to have a sense of what she was looking for and other works she had put out. Yeah. I kind of like took this premise, which was actually inspired by um, a podcast. Um, do you, you ever listen to, it's not on anymore, but it was this podcast called I Was There Too with Matt Gorley. Yeah, I remember, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so he had one episode that was a little out of the usual where he would have, so the premise of the podcast would, he, he would have like a, a character actor from a famous movie. So you'd be like listening to an episode where it's like, oh, that's Vac Vasquez from Aliens. Right. And you're like, yeah, I never really thought about her career and her role in that because she's cool, but she's like still a secondary character. Yep. Um, so it was like all these stories of like the thing you don't think about with the movie. And he had an episode about going to Martha's Vineyard and kind of visiting a uh, like a tourist shop where they were selling Jaws merch. And I was like, oh yeah, Martha's Vineyard really got uh, warped in the public eye after that movie. And, um, you know, growing up in a small town, having parents that were like art artisanal people, mm -hmm. it, it just sort of like resonated with me, this idea that like a movie can like capture the imagination of a country so much that it changes how we look at a place. Um, sure. Which you think only like political stuff does that, but it's like, no, movies like can do that too. So yeah. I took that angle, you know, and that was basically my pitch. I didn't really have characters. I didn't okay. know what the story was going to be. I was just like, it's, I got a story. It's about kids on Martha's Vineyard in 1974, the moment Spielberg shows up with his uh, film crew mm -hmm. to make this movie. And that just like <laughs> captured her imagination. Um, yeah, and that's awesome. all I had <laughs> to well, start. That's well, all you need. It's, no, it, it's True. so interesting yeah, because totally. I mean, you, you know, you, it's funny to, to get an agent, you know, you, you know, in a book, you have to have like the whole thing put together typically, mm -hmm. but like, if you already have the agent, the agent's like, so let's come up with, what do you got? Like, what, what can we, what can we spin into the next thing? Which is so, right. it, which is great because that's sort of like way more like, uh, you know, musician producer relationship versus, you know, like label person on the outside with demo tapes relationship. So yeah, um, exactly. And it's, and I've it, yeah, go ahead. 
Well, I was just going to say, like, you know, talking about like building aesthetic and all the, the skill set that a, uh, a young cartoonist builds over through their 20s or till whenever something locks in for them. I, I actually had a really hard time until Shark Summer aligning the types of stories I wanted to tell with the way I wanted to draw. Because like if you look at Shark Summer, it's very cartoonish. Like I'm definitely like heavily inspired by early Disney and like, you know, facial design and like big appealing, like round character faces and things like that. There's definitely a lot of that. And you can probably see, you know, maybe a little Calvin and Hobbes or like all these bone or whatever else is in here. Mm -hmm. But um, the stories I wanted to tell, they, they were always a little more literary. Like I wanted to truly make like a graphic novel, like a thing yeah. that when you read it the second time, there was more to be revealed, which I think is not always the case with like, middle grade graphic novels especially as the markets exploded they don't re always have those layers so i i wanted to do something with that and i was struggling pitching stuff like that because uh editors would be like love the art the story is like a little too mature and they weren't lining up yeah. um but somehow with shark summer i was able to like tone it down with the characters ages and find this right little perfect space where i could tell this story about a movie that a lot of kids haven't seen but make a book for kids uh by, right. by it's finding great the right when after they know. read the book and then yeah. finally they're going to see jaws and go wait a second yeah it's it that's reveals cool. something new right i like yeah. that so oh, that yeah. was and i think that's part of the the selling point of it too like um other, you know, my editor loves to, she doesn't love to remind me, but she has reminded me a couple of times. She's like, if you sent that email two days later, I would have, nothing would have happened. But, you know, right. timing is important. And I, I think that idea just had that extra bit of, you're, a kid could read this and go to Martha's Vineyard and have their own shark summer, which I think like can really appeal yes. to, to an editor. Because um, it's not a story you're going to get pitched every day necessarily about no. a place. You know, no, and I mean, I think the I mean, I think the premise is strong. Like, it's a strong premise. Like, it's a, it's a. There's a backbone to it that anybody who has any relationship with Jaws is going to be like, oh, this is interesting. Like, what it, what is the story that's happening on the island that summer? And I think that's. I was there that summer, so I, I know. Oh I, right, yeah, yeah. So you know, that was a that was our summer getaway place is going to the vineyard. So, um, well, was, can, tell me, can you tell me a little like what? Uh, can you, can you imagine what it was like? Did it feel special in any way or, you know, um, I, so I have older siblings and they probably have a far greater, you know, memory mm -hmm. of it. I think I was six ish at the time, you know, yeah, I, I turned seven later that year. So I think I was six years old and I, so I don't have like a huge, great, clear, you know, clear clarity of it. But what I remember was they, the rigs you could see like the rigs that they use to move all the stuff around around for the movie but also the rig to move bruce around so yeah. the, the, and that the water rig it might still be there it was there when we were there maybe like five years ago but like in menemsha pond is mm -hmm. the, the water rig for bruce they just left it there and yeah like, right sort of like this iconic sort of like you know feature um mm -hmm. But it was, you know, it was a kind of thing. I mean, the 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 vineyarders are a bit like, you know, like I mean, they're New Englanders. They don't want people in their backyard, even though like it's a, you know, it's a summer getaway island. Um, but it wasn't is it wasn't the summer way get getaway island that it is now. Like it wasn't like well, there were wealthy people on on Martha's Vineyard back then. It's not like the playground of the rich and famous as it is now. So um, yeah. 
yeah, it was it was kind of cool. Like it was just all these. So like reading the book, I'm like, oh yeah, no, I know where I know where we are. I know where we are. Like as far as like sort of structurally around it, you know, being a kid, being on your bike, going around the island. I mean, that was just sort of what you did. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm glad you kind of I'm glad it made sense for you in that way, because I, I haven't been there in a long time. And I started this book right as like the pandemic hit. So I didn't get the chance to like go and spend like a leisurely week, like, you know, researching and taking photos. I was just on the Internet. So a lot of effort and time and, you know, copy editors reading stuff went yeah. into aligning um, like the geography of the island. Like I had days later when I was coloring where I'd, I'd had notes on a draft that'd be like, uh, actually the sun wouldn't be on this side of the panel because technically they're on the right. west side of the island at this. I was like, and, and I followed, you know, I did it. I made the changes, but it was at the point where I'm like, oh my God, this is a fantasy world. But in a way it's kind of not because someone like you, you know, who's been there or like has a relationship with it, it would matter. Like, you know, it does matter that it's trying to be uh, authentic in that way, I guess, you know, yeah. like believable. So. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, it's yeah. You know, it, listen, in in many respects, like the details matter immensely. Like people mm -hmm. catch those the details and they go, "Oh, that's the thing. Oh, that's the thing. I know that thing. That's the thing." Like, and I love how you named <clears throat> your naming conventions that you use throughout the book tie into the island and the people. And that, I thought that was really that was nice, nicely crafted. So, mm -hmm. and yeah, I think. No, I, I and I was just going back to what you were saying about the layers and levels of this of this book. I mean, like it is it's not a singular storyline. Like you have a lot of story going through this with these characters. Like it's not just one character story. Every character has a story. You introduce, a, you know, a new character, you know, kind of a third of the way into the book. And now mm -hmm. we have her story into the whole thing. And everybody really like, nobody is just sort of like window dressing. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think once my editor was uh, just her, her uh the value she was putting on having this be kind of a real world story again mm -hmm. not it was actually i mean if you look at my stuff there's nothing really that's like this that existed yeah. other uh, there is actually a weird you could see maybe how it comes together i had my like fantasy work but i'd actually done a bunch of educational comics um like grants funded by the european research council and like okay. uh, local economy things so i, I did um a lot of shark summer became about um, the responsibility of the storyteller when you're dealing with like real world information, whether it's like representing real people or like real scientific research. So I, Shark Summer does a little bit of teaching you about creative process, but it also thematically, it's about the kids being responsible for their story. And yep. I think that's why they're so rich because I was really thinking hard about like making these kids all have a journey. And that's something that uh, is the novelistic aspect. I'm like, when you read a good novel, you know, you meet all these characters and they all exist. And whereas like in cartooning, sometimes in a cartoon, some characters are just like, uh, they're kind of flat. Like they're just sort of there to be comic relief or, you know, the history yeah. of comics is as much about gags as it is about like good stories. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's funny, you know, some people expect certain things from comics because I get a lot of feedback from parents they are like oh there's like a lot going on here i'm like well yeah it's a book like books have stuff going on but i right. think because it's drawn simply they're like i think it's because oh, it's you know have the heavy dialogue that you have in there that yeah. i i was i was reading it and i told alex i'm like there's some heavy dialogue in this i've never seen this before or to this extent 
And there's there's a, there's definitely a journey because sometimes some of the dialogue you're like, well, where's this going? And then some mm. of it is like, oh, I get it. You know, it's like it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, there's a little like philosophy, and I I think I lucked out again like with my editor like. You know, when you have like the right people you're working with that champion like what you want to do, sure. you can really kind of like go above and beyond. So I, I I think I just lucked out because there's so the whole not to like spoil any of the book, but the kids, they want to enter a film contest and they want to make their own movie, but they don't know what it's about. So they start searching the island for their own story to tell. And then they meet a character who has this story about a, a retired sea captain. So, yeah. So here's. Here's uh, Gail and Elijah, who are the two, the first filmmakers we meet there. Eliza's the cinematographer. Uh, Gail wants the money for her, uh, to help her mom open an ice cream shop. So they team up, but they're not storytellers. So then they meet Maddie, who has a story. And uh, she also, also has like this backstory to her. Yeah, she does. Um, but, uh, you know, the story she tells about this like Civil War captain, I'm like, is my editor going to like let me go? I don't think it <laughs> at first it comes off as as dark but to me it's actually like a very sad story about like regret and you know like yeah. the choices we make which is kind of like playing off quint's story in jaws of like yeah. him you know if you haven't yeah. seen jaws there's a scene where the movie takes this hard turn into this like this monologue about a war and like death mm -hmm. like real world stuff and yeah. then it kind of resolves with this he he and i remember this from when i was a kid and actually this is probably like the core of shark summer is like when he's describing the eye of the shark and how it's like black, like a doll's eye. And that kind of Lovecraftian idea of like, yep. if you just look into the universe, it's, it's looking back at you, but you will not understand and you might lose your mind. Like that becomes the weird story at the middle of shark summer that you like discover. And I'm like, is this too dark? And my editor was like, well, as long as you draw it in a way where you're not showing the gore, or you're not being too literal uh you know i was able yeah. to get away with it you know like you see some knives and you see some like silhouettes of blood but you don't see gore and i think you know visually you can get away with a lot of stuff if you just tweak some of those things right oh yeah man did we lose oh. uh our i friend think we alex? lost alex um we didn't really need him though if you think about it <laughs> 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 so uh i don't know if he wants to go there but i want to go there so yeah, you're, uh, your your new book is spirit week right oh yeah this one is that the new one or which one's the new one yeah this is the new one so yeah okay. shark summer is out now uh at, at this date but um this is the advanced reader copy for spirit week which is kind so of a sequel you have the same characters in spirit week too right well, it's one. We in uh, one, the cinematographer Elijah. Elijah, Elijah he's like the through line here. I was, yeah, I noticed because when you were talking about him making a film in uh, Shark Week, I haven't read the whole thing yet, but I started mm -hmm. reading both of them, and he was in both. I was like, wait a second here. <laughs> yeah, he's, so that's cool. I, yeah, he's like I don't know. You know, you have this with your stories, I'm sure, where you yeah. you kind of latch onto a character that becomes yeah. like the asset that um, for me, Elijah wasn't a character that I come up, usually I write darker characters, but he's like this warm, loving friend character. He's not He's not burdened by like his creative ambitions in the right. way some of us are. Um, yeah. So I, I realized, <laughs> oh, if I keep him in the books, it'll lighten the tone. So Spirit Week, I think is actually a bit darker than Shark Summer and more complicated. 
Um, but Elijah helps uh, find some levity in the story. Yeah, um, I saw. I started reading that other book, uh, Spirit of Week, and I was like, "Ooh, I see what movie you're playing with on that book." <laughs> and I was like, right. "Wow." Yeah, that, so we yeah we we go from Jaws, you know, a summer action movie with some gore, you know, I guess sort of a horror movie, but mostly like a, just a classic blockbuster. And then the sequel, I was like, "Ooh, what if I do The Shining?" Yeah, you, I continue you do The Shining now. Thing. I'm like, "Wow, he's doing The Shining." Yeah, <laughs> we're in the hotel, and oh <laughs> yeah. my god, it's crazy because I, you know, because you know the the premise of the first one was pretty clear, um, like what it was, mm -hmm. and that like, I think it was like you know, in a snow cat, I'm like, wait a minute. Like that yeah. was like my, like, is that oh, where yeah. you went? Oh, I saw it when I, saw, when I was reading it. I saw the, the hotel. I was like, Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I know where they're going now. <laughs> yeah. This, this one is a little more like, I, I don't know what this word. So I'm doing a series. I'm, I'm on the third one. Now I'm like, I have a script for it and I'm starting to mm. do some concept what art. What book is that? <laughs> uh, well, well, I could tell you at the end of the upset. Right, don't um, tell me. Don't tell But, me. uh, so the, you know, in Shark Summer, it's like, okay, we're in kind of an alternate reality where Martha's Vineyard isn't quite the Martha's Vineyard we know, but there is a movie called Shark, which is kind of like Jaws. So in the second one, I'm like, well, there isn't a movie called The Shining, but there is The Hotel, but mm. it's not exactly The Hotel. And there is kind of a Stephen King writer in there. Um, so it's kind of like this warping reality as this series kind of builds that will let me talk about kind of a movie or the world of a movie or the character tropes or like mm -hmm. adaptation or whatever, all these aspects of like cinema. Well, yeah, um, so sure. the second well, one you can is, do anything you want with it. Yeah, you can go I mean, anywhere like, you want. It's like, yeah, you're repurposing the Lego, you know, it's like, you yeah, exactly. Up the set and you're like, cool, but I'm going to just change things around here and like make yeah. your own thing. Cause it's really like, like when you have like, can I name the character? Can I name the weatherman or I guess the weatherman's name? Like, you know, like, like it's so, it's a very clever spin on the name. And I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, like it's fun. right. It's real fun. Yeah. It's like, you know, I guess it, it, if we're lucky, we get to like tell the stories that excite us and like make us curious. And I, yeah. I feel like I've gotten really lucky. I'm like, you know, five years ago or even like four years ago, I, I wouldn't have been like, oh, can I combine like my interest and passion for movies with my comics and have yeah, this kind yes. of a line? And somehow it it is. And, uh, yeah. you know, Shark Summer is like doing well enough where I got to make Spirit Week and Spirit Week seems to be like doing a little better in the pre-sales. And um, so I'm doing a third one. Oh, that's awesome, uh, and the man. third one, Good you know, you. like, yeah. And like, think of the books, you know, with these things, like I do, I think about the readers and I think about when I was a kid and, you know, when we were young, this, the market that these books are in did not exist at all. There no. was no like middle grade graphic novel market filled with a diversity of like narratives and authors. It just, there was like bone sort of, but it wasn't in a bookstore. It was like in a comic shop. There was just a couple things. Um, so I think it's just like an exciting time to be a young reader. So I'm like, Ooh, I want, I appreciate that this market exists and I want to do something that is kind of weird in the way, like when I was a kid, when I was like nine, I was just reading Stephen King, which is complicated now because you can't go pitch your it or whatever for a middle grade market. Even though we grew up reading those, the market is very specific about what age group gets what. Totally. Um, yeah. You know, which is very different than when I was doing independent stuff. And I was just like, whatever, I'm telling this story. But now it's like, okay, what, who is this for? You know, it's a lot more about 
who who the reader is. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, I mean, the thing is that they have to figure out how to market and sell a thing. So like, they can't yeah. they can't just be like, hey, here's a thing, and it's got everything in it. So figure it out. You know, like it doesn't. Right. It's real tough <laughs> for them to kind of you know put that one on, out there. Um, yeah, but it's yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, like for us, we didn't we didn't even have those. Like we had Ramona the Spy or whatever it was. Right. Like, we yeah. didn't have, like we didn't have a graphic novel option. You know, there was so. Like the fact that like there are going there are going to be kids out there who are growing up who will have like Shark Summer as the mm -hmm. book that they read as a kid going like, you know, and wanting to do that. You know what I mean? Because that's what I remember being reading these kids, the books as a kid. I'm like, I want to do the stuff these kids are doing. Like, I want to go be a detective and root out, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. crime. Um, and I think that's like so it's so cool that like what you're doing is you're just adding to that that sort of that lexicon of books for children to read and kind of explore, like try on like, oh, would I be brave? Do I want to be brave? Like, you know, like, you know. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, Puts yeah. the question in your head, right? Oh, it's, yeah, it, it's fantastic. And like, you know, like, so with Spirit Spirit Week, I mean, like the artwork is great. Like, I mean, you, it's it's a whole new, like it's, it feels like a whole new level in so many ways. Like what you're- Oh, thanks. Yeah. So. Um, are you doing all of this like in, you know, let's the, the dreaded Adobe products or are you using different products? Oh, we're talking about uh process now. I yeah, like why that. Not? Let's uh, talk a little yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, all both of these books were done in clip studio, which was oh. a fairly new um, yeah, yeah. app to me. Uh, when I, uh, I, I'd only learned it a couple of years before, because before that I was just doing all pen and ink. Like if you go back to which knots or my web comic, those are all just like, like like uh, how Bill Watterson would work. I just wanted to make those exact type of lines he made for so long. So I was just using watercolor washes and pen and ink for many years. And then when I, I got a project to do this, um, like a comic about creative uh, people working in um, like the creative economy of like upstate New York. And I'm like, this isn't a passion project. I need to get it done because the faster I get it done, the more money I make because it was like a budget. It was like my first thing doing something like that under a contract. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I got to work digitally. I can't do this lovingly rendered by hand. It's just not worth it. So, uh, you know, I got a little like Wacom tablet and I clip studio paint was just the cheapest one. Nice. And luckily it, it's perfect. I mean, I think we're, are we, oh no, we're seeing Photoshop over here, but I don't know if you use clip studio. I use clips. I use clip studio. When oh, I, you do. Okay. When I do, when I, when I do, when I do artwork. Yeah. 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 It's, it's awesome. And it, it's not a, a memory hog like adobe really wants yeah. to like use your whole computer which is great for a lot of things yeah. but um clip studio is just a little like more refined uh and it it wants to be a graphic novel tool yeah. first and foremost which mm -hmm. is great so um i've been using that for these books and um what was the question well, no, no, <laughs> so i mean like i i was curious if you were using you know it, using clip because i was looking oh, at yeah. like, how you were drawing like when you were structuring your scenes and your, in your mm. panels, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, like, I'm like, okay, his perspective is really good. So like, I'm like, I wonder if he's using clip and he's using the perspective tool. Cause it's a phenomenal tool for building out rooms and building out hallways and all these kind of like these environmental. Yeah. And it, it's such a beautiful and really simple way of doing it. And, but like your artwork paired with that, like the way you're drawing, you know, within that framework is working really well. So. Oh uh, yeah. Thanks. I, I think you probably find this too. You know, once you, I, I'm sure like me, you grew up with like traditional tools and not yep. digital. So it's like, it's different for young people now because they get more attuned to like 
the, the autocorrect feature that's so prominent and like yeah. procreate and all this stuff. And it's a great feature, but when you know, when you have this sort of chaoticness going on with your work, mm -hmm. like pen and ink can be so wild and watercolor, like you can make a mess, but I never thought of it like a mess. You know, it just is like, it is what it is. But mm -hmm. once you go digital, you start to like think about mistakes because you can just undo a line and then draw it a million times, right? So your brain starts to change. So when you're asked, talking about the perspective stuff, I do try to use some of those tools. Like I use some of the ruler tools, you, especially with the Spirit Week book, because it's trying to be very like Kubrickian, like it's yes. very geometric and yeah. like symmetrical, unlike Shark Summer's a lot looser. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I was doing, I was playing with geometry and you can definitely see in here, I'm working with screenshots from The Shining. Like there's lots of them throughout, like right. actual shots from the movie. But I didn't want to use, like, I didn't want to build something in Blender first, even though I thought about it or use some of the 3D like perspective tools. Cause I didn't want it to be too rigid. Cause I just feel like my style, the charm is that it's kind of loose and a little, yeah. not sloppy exactly, but it's got like a, a looseness to it. Um, oh, I agree. I agree. And I think, you know, I think it's I think, a fine line, right? Yeah. But I think you're, I think you're riding it really well. You know, it's, it's, and it's an interesting evolution between, you know, shark summer, mm. to, you know, to spirit week. So I think it's kind of cool to see that. And you know, and when you say that, how, you know, Kubrick, you know, frames everything. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, okay, now that makes complete sense. And it's, you know, and the, it's very, you know, I mean, you know, Wes Anderson, I mean, like, you know, he yeah, learned totally. all of that control from mm -hmm. looking at Kubrick. Like, how do you make everything really, really, like, how do you drive that reader, the viewer's eye to where you want mm -hmm. them to, you know, to look, so. Yeah, and that's like the story. I mean, that's why I think I loved film because with comics, you didn't get those interviews with the, you didn't really know the creators at that level, but with yeah. cinema, you know these directors' stories. So I think that's why I would gravitate to that industry because you could, you could learn more about how, you know, Steven Spielberg frames a shot than you could Mark Silvestri because people just weren't interviewing him at that level, even though comic artists frame constantly. You just weren't reading those stories. So I have so much point of reference through cinema for my comics because those were the um, creative stories behind the scenes I, I was getting. And now yeah. you can learn way more about comic artists. You can just like watch a live stream forever. Yeah. I'm doing it right now, watching Gary work and like thinking about <laughs> what he's doing. You, you know, you, we didn't have that. So I learned a lot from movies just because that's, those were the creatives that were telling yeah. the stories. And, but, I uh, mean, and the discipline, I mean, the discipline is, you know, it, it is really much, you know, really similar. So, I mean, like you're, you're mm -hmm. you know, framing and story, visual storytelling, you know, aside from the diff difference of a moving image and a static image, I mean, you are applying the same sort of, you know, structures you know like let's do the same thing let's do that kind of stuff so I, I i get it um so when you're like you know like you know using this page like let's yeah like this page is like mm. so like what are you thinking like like how do you like I, like your thumbnailing process like what is that and then what do you yeah. go from that point well, uh, I mean, the, everybody's got their own process, which is so cool about comics. Yeah. Like people have so many different ways of working because, um, you know, it's really just kind of up to you. Uh, it's not like you have a whole team that you have to schedule. You just have to figure it out. So I actually write for a long time before I draw anything. Be again, it comes back to the movie stuff. Like um, Shark Summer is fully scripted. Like you could read it like a play. Yeah. Um, you know, it's got a whole plot synopsis all the way through, like every beat, and then it becomes a dialogue script. And then I thumbnail. So I actually don't draw anything until 
I really know where the story's going because both of these books are 309 or 304 pages. Seems like a lot, but if you're trying to tell like this type of story, it actually really needs to get compressed. Um, mm -hmm. Like Shark Summer, I think moves really quickly. Like there's no time wasted on any, to, maybe it's detriment. I don't know. I know some people like a comics because they can be slower and more meditative, but I feel like I'm making like a tight movie that's like edited to hell. So yeah. by the time I thumbnail, I really know what I'm doing. So like the page you were showing there where it's this character, Susie, she's kind of having this like daydream of her like engineering aspiration. So that's like the goal here was like, you know, I don't know who said this. I think it's like a George Saunders quote where it's like a story needs to like everything in it should resonate with meaning. Like, I just love that idea. It's like, mm -hmm. it, that's the goal, right? With anything, like what's your story about is everything in it essentially like about that idea. So, you know, with a page like this, if you read the book, these panels start to make sense. So like we have a character excavating some property. We have a look of somebody like, making a plan for something, being aspirational. And then we see like the equipment that theoretically builds it or could tear it down. So like on this page, there's what you're getting in the moment. And then there's what it becomes once you read the book, like these, yeah. these visual elements, character, point of view of something, and then sort of like the set dressing and, you know, the mountain range, like we see the mountain there behind, in the very background. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, the story of like, uh, the Shining is as much about like isolation in a particular place, in a place that theoretically should be nurturing and rejuvenating, but it's actually yeah. doing the opposite, <laughs> you know. Um, so, you know, when I plan a page like that, I try to have all those ideas in place because my brain is a mess. Like I am not, it takes me for, I'm a slow reader. Uh, I'm like quite dyslexic most of the time. I'm awful with numbers. Like I need to know where I'm going before uh -huh. I draw anything. Otherwise, I mean, it would be a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. that's, it's, you know, it, it, it's cool. And it's, I, I'm really kind of on that, that, that side of, you know, right, 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 right. I mean, if time, if time is, is, is available to you, write as much yeah. as you can before you start drawing, because it's so much quicker yeah. <laughs> to change the words than to sit down and change a drawing. Exactly. Like, it, it it's you know you can write like you know picked up a cake versus picked up a you know a, a battery like you know like it's the same action but like there are two very different things and like you know and it, now we have to change the expression blah 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 blah, blah. so mm -hmm. like i think there's a real strong sort of testament to that now you know not everyone gets the luxury of you know writing and drawing the entire thing and a time schedule. So like if you're doing a monthly book, this is not afforded to you. You don't have the time and luxury to sit and really craft out this, this, this world. And you're doing it in a very unique fashion to the majority of comic books where there, you know, there is an editor, you know, there is, there's a whole publishing team who's sending you notes saying like, well, the sun's not setting in that location on the Island because they, they, their job is to make sure that what they're producing is accurate to the, you know, to the scope of whatever they're, you know, they're selling. So, mm -hmm. and that's, that's very different when you're handing your assignment into Marvel or DC, like maybe there'll be like, Hey, can you just change this thing here? But otherwise it's great. Thanks you know get oh, really huh oh yeah there's no time it's a one i actually month. don't really know you know i've never been on a project like that yeah so. i mean it's one month you know what i mean like yeah, right like, you know you know lucky projects are when there's other they're sort of like hey we have lead time to build up for this project so they 
the hope is you can the artist and the artists involved can get a a running start so when the book hits the shelf they have a bunch of months already banked and then oh right you know when you screw up on the timeline because you will um there's going to be some sort of safety margin built in so it's you know it's an interesting game um, yeah i think also part of the you know when i describe this and i i I'm, was really happy with all my copy editors and any notes that you know it's not like it, it was a, a tough task but i felt it was very rewarding. I think part of it, I was surprised, like my publisher, Little Brown, they're pretty new in graphic novels. I think my book and a couple others were the first wave, like my editor has worked with Lion Forge and she's been around a long time and okay. edited many great books. Uh, her name's Andrea Colvin. And, but the publisher, this was new. So I think they were, they were kind of figuring out how do we work with the cartoonist in a way. And cause you know, when they broke down my schedule, they're like, X amount of months for a script, X amount of months for thumbnails. And then things get hazy because, you know, with comics, it's like, depending how you work, all those stages, like somebody's thumbnails could look a million miles away from somebody else's thumbnails. Yep. Like, you know, I have friends that draw it where somebody could go in and ink it mindlessly. Yeah. But my thumbnails are a nightmare. Like they're like impressionistic, like they're just <laughs> completely abstract because I know in my brain what it's going to be. I'm just using a shorthand sure. to get it on the page. Right. Mm -hmm. Um but then luckily my editor understands comics enough where she was fine with that. Whereas another editor might've been like, uh, can you draw this a little more clearly? And that could have been more months of work that I, I didn't necessarily need to do, but I had to do it to sell them on the idea that I was done with that stage. So, yeah. you know, it's that's, interesting. No, that's to that is totally interesting because I mean, in the realm of, you know, you know, fights and tights comics, like yeah. they're, everybody is already inoculated. They're all in right. on the game and, you know, and it rarely do they want to see your thumbnails except for a cover. Like they want to see what the, mm, you know, totally. hey, what's the rough of the cover going to be. And, you know, you hand in your one or two options or three, however many they want you to do. But otherwise it's like, here's a script, get your, get going and we'll see. <laughs> you know send the pages in as quickly as possible so it, it's an interesting sort of parallel and like I, you know looking you know the um the copy of spirit week is you know um you know the work in progress artwork so it's great to see mm -hmm. the actual black and white stuff and how you are structuring the pages um in preparation for you know your final coloring which is kind of which is kind of cool to see yeah mike so i had a different colorist uh in the first book uh, it would, it, uh, the budget, or at least I didn't know how to ask for it yet. So with Shark Summer, I had an old student of mine, actually, oh, uh, okay. em Emily Argoff, who's, uh, uh, she's in college right now, but she's like an independent freelance illustrator artist. Mm -hmm. Um, but she's like very wise and she, she understands color theory. I had worked with her as a teenager, like independent study. Like she was like a student That's of awesome. mine for years. That's great. And I was like, oh, I can pay this person to be my color assistant. So she did like all the flats for Shark Summer mm -hmm. and did a lot of like color choices with skies and backgrounds. Cause I obviously had the characters all set up with their color palettes. Yeah. Um, so that was that process where I, uh, she did a great job, but she was mostly flats. And then I went in and did shading and adjusted things to my liking. But with uh, Spirit Week, I have another colorist who actually works on more like monthly comics. Like, and this is his first graphic novel and his name's Addison Duke. And his work is amazing, but he had never done like a graphic novel before. So we, we got in a good rhythm, but there was uh, this big window of time where we just weren't aligning his schedule right. Because mm -hmm. I, I don't know how somebody else works. And there were months where he, 
we should have been like, okay, we got to hit these marks of like flats. This, this all needs to be done because he was used to doing 30 pages a month and he works fast and he's really good. But a 300 page project is way different than like a 30 page right. issue because he yeah. would have like, he would juggle like maybe three or four projects at a time. Mm -hmm. But when it came down to like doing this, we had to spend a couple long weeks uh, where I was like right in there with him and we were, and you know, it is what it is, yeah. but uh, hopefully I get to work with them again. And next time around, I'll have a better sense of like how we meet in the middle uh, because he just had a totally different process. So we both work on comics, but yeah, the, the, the type of project can like really change and who it's for, yep. you know, market wise um, or in publishing wise can really change how you go about it. Oh yeah, the, the 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 sort of the expectations are very different. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's that's interesting. So, so how does like I, I'm I'm totally into the whole graphic novel market. I think it's great. I think the breadth of it is wonderful. I love I love the boldness of a beginning and end. Here it is. Yeah. The story. <laughs> And that's it because the, the, you know, the model of, you know, comic books, isn't that, you know, it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's stories and they keep going on. I mean, even if it's, even if it's a limited series, they're still, they're put out every month, you know, and, right. and so you kind of have this sort of built in model of like of that, but this idea of getting a thing and then it just kind of chunk, here it is, sit down, dig in. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we have this, this sort of, era of trade paperbacks that we're in. So I think the, the market is mm. very much in tune with that. Um, as, as far as readership goes, I, you, but you, but you don't see that happening with the major publishers as much. They're not really producing a solid book. You know, they're, they're producing right. a book in stages um, versus a publisher who is saying, Hey, here's the book and we're doing one thing. And it's this one chunk and giant story. So how does, how do you, I mean, do you like that? Like, is that like the, uh... <laughs> yeah, well, I think it comes back to, um, you know, like growing, I, I listed some of my influences earlier, but um, like maybe fundamentally some like industry influences that I think about, like the, the way I want to work. It's like Watchmen, when that like trade paperback came out, that was such an important thing. Like story aside, even just the way it was made, like I learned to really like love Alan Moore and thinking a lot about how, Who's the artist on that? Dave Ugh. Gibbons. Yeah, okay. yeah. Dave, Dave <laughs> Love you, Dave Gibbons. Uh, but like the way it kind of came together to be this one like super concise project, mm -hmm. I, I think I, I I found that really admirable. And I, I do love the book, but the way it exists, I think is so cool. Like even just down to the color scheme, that like bold sans serif, like the black and yellow and the smiley face, it's like, the branding on that book was so cool as yeah. soon as they put it together. And I think that's why it's, that's gotta be a big part of its popularity. It pops off the shelf. And when you adapt it into a TV show, they just take that look. And I'm sure that sold it for HBO. Just that, even though the show was amazing, sure. just keeping that branding like is so cool. So I, I thought about like a lot about how that stuff is packaged. And then at the same time, mouse art Spiegelman's mouse was massive, yeah. which is like, yeah this really meta narrative within a narrative dark story, but done in a really cartoony way, but also just one thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think I always look at those as if I, you know, ideally if I ever have a place in the history of comics, it would be like a thing like that, just like a, a, a single book. And while this is kind of a series, you know, like spirit week is sort of a sequel. It's not really a sequel. It's just like 
what's the next logical step of this idea. But I, I just love the idea of like a single package. Um, and while I do like, you know, I've read a bunch of newer Marvel, like Jonathan Hickman, like mm -hmm. is a writer I'm like following. I'm like this, you know, and I read that I'm like, oh man, I would love to do something like this, like write an epic, like fantasy version of like the X-Men. But I think at the end of the day, like, I just want to make these like single little packet, like a little pop song, you know, sure. like a, a two and a half minute pop song yeah. is as amazing as like a rock opera in its own little special way. Um, yeah. And so. I, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I don't like, I mean, listen, you're, you, you know, whatever the, uh, the gunslinger series. I mean, that's, that's Stephen oh, King. Yeah. Those, the, you know, those, those are books, you know, but they, mm -hmm. they continue on, um, you know, or, or an Agatha Christie series. I mean, like these are, you know, we have a character and we're keeping a character in the storyline, but it's not, it's not next week. It's whenever right. the story happens or happened before, who knows? Um, mm. And I think that's, I think that's kind of cool. I, I'm just, I think that there's something, you know, you were talking about, you know, Alan Moore and the Watchmen. And I wonder, like, I, I, I wonder if Alan conceived of it initially as one singular story. Or, oh yeah. Huh. I don't know. I never thought about it, that. He's, you know, he being, you know, he listen, Alan Moore is a comic book writer and he was a comic book writer for yeah, yeah. you know leading into that. And you wonder like, or maybe like he was just, you know, died in the wool as a comic book writer and was like, hey, here's my comic book idea, which is this, you know, this 12 issue one year storyline. Yeah. Uh, Cause you wonder how different he would have had to have constructed it to not be issue 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 what where you have to that you get that month-long break of going can't wait for the next thing like versus just oh, turning yeah. page and being being right there with like i think yeah so um because i mean it is you know it is a powerful piece of work but would it have been too much you know is it one giant chunk i don't know like it, it's yeah that's true i never uh i guess like you know i've looked at the script pages but you're right i don't um I never, to me, when I read it, I, like growing up when I did and find it when I did, it was, it was one book. So to me, it, it seems like a story yeah. that was written as a whole piece, but you're right. It, it, it's just as likely that um, it could have been like, not sure where this is going, but I've got this great premise, but the way it wraps up, I mean, he's a master. So and yeah. anybody can pull the magic trip of it. It was always supposed to be like this, like <laughs> JK Rowling lo would love to be like, oh yeah, Harry Potter always had to figure out like you definitely didn't, but right. like, when you read a thing, you're like, it was always like this. Um, and I just always, that magic around Watchmen is always prominent in my mind. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think about this with TV shows now because like right now, the new there's a new season of Stranger Things out and it's like, sure. there's episodes of that that are like an hour and a half and there's going to be one that's like two and a half hours. It's like, what is a TV show anymore? Like everything doesn't even, it seems like it's designed to be the next cool marketing idea is to not as much be like what suits the story, which is kind of a shame because sometimes you're watching a great show and you're like, great show. Episode three sucked. And clearly that's the one they jammed in there because it needed to be like nine episodes and right. comics. I mean, can feel like that too. Sometimes you're like, okay, we're kind of spinning our wheels till the next thing or whatever, or yeah, I, I mean, need to I, set the pieces up or something. I mean, I think it's all, it's, I mean, there's, I mean, I think there's an interesting excitement to the whole thing because I think television, you know, when it went to, when, it, when streaming became a thing, they were still doing like sort of longer runs. And then they mm -hmm. realized like, we don't need to do 12 episodes or 16 episodes, let alone 20. Um, like we can get away with 
you know, 10 episodes and now yeah. like, get away with eight episodes. You know, we can get away with six episodes, like whatever the thing is, like, I'm fine. If you say, Hey, this season is five episodes. Sure. You're all great. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm fine. If you say it's 11 episodes, I don't care. Like I don't need symmetry. I don't need regularity. I just need something good. And I think, you know, in the possibility factor of comic books, I think that's the same thing. I think you mm. can say, it doesn't have to be a six issue miniseries. It doesn't have to be a 12 issue, you know, maxi series. It doesn't have to be broken up and then brought in to be one collected trade paperback. It can be one story. Like I yeah. think we're, we're, I think we're heading in that direction where, you know, a D- DC or a Marvel can say, yeah, we're going to get behind that. We're going to make a blank graphic novel and it's just going to be a chunk. And that would be great. I'm using mm-hmm. the word chunk a lot. I don't know why. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> it's a good word though. It's effective. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a soundy word. It has a good yeah. sound to it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. So I, and I think it's like, it's amazing. So being in that thing, so mm. scripting, you know, writing is great. It's my favorite thing to do. If I could do that all day long, I would do it all day long. If people would pay me more money to do it, I would do that. Um, so like what's your what's your writing process like like on the like you're hey okay i sold the shark right summer <laughs> now i need to come up with an idea and like like what is your process to to call ideas together um and formulate that and then how do you make that into a script for you yeah well you kind of touched on a good point earlier that's something you can only learn through practice which is like it's a lot faster to write something than draw something mm-hmm. and you know I, I think any artist runs into pro, uh, redundant stages. Like sometimes, especially with a graphic novel, you start inking and you're like, that character is not how I want. I'm on page 300. I, I'm going back to page one to redo the first 20 pages. You know, right. like sometimes you got to settle into a thing. So you can never truly like avoid steps like that. But I, I do try to break it into as clear stages as possible. So I, you know, I had the pitch, I had the, the setup for the story, then I had the characters and I kind of filled out a general idea of who they were. So like in, in Shark Summer, you've got the girl, Gail, mm-hmm. who, uh, what what does she want? She wants the money to help her mom open an ice cream shop. How does she want to get it? She wants to win the movie contest. Then we need Elijah, the cinematographer, doesn't have a story, wants a friend, will help this person. Then we need the story. Now we get Maddie who has, uh, she doesn't really want the money. She's got other plans, but she will help them, but she won't tell them the truth. And then you get the antagonistic character, Lex, who is kind of like the reason Gail is doing all this. So mm-hmm. I think I, I worked this backstory of those characters in a way where they, they were all like essential to each other and the story couldn't exist without the four of them being right. like active, which I think is why the story like, works and why they feel uh, real. And once I knew them in a, a general sense and their roles, um, then I started like building out plot because I knew my themes. I knew I wanted it to be about the island, the way an island changes, the way friendships are, can be temporary for a summer and about the creative process. Like I had my themes, I had my characters. And then like to me, plot, like unless you have those other things, you could have a great plot, but it's not going to mean anything. Like speaking of stranger things, you can tell when that show isn't trying to say something and when it is yeah. like when things are just happening and they look great, but you're like, I'm, it's ringing hollow. Like, so I think a lot about that. So by the time I get to plot, I know what each scene needs to be about. And then 
because it's themed around Jaws, I start like thinking about how do I fit Jaws in? Like, what's the story the kids are telling? How does this all build up? Like, and then I plot out the scenes and then I start, you know, I have just Google Docs. I got a spreadsheet because the book had to be like around 304 pages. And we know with comics, it's like, that's part of the magic, I think, of the restriction. Like you have X amount of pages, X amount a month. Like, you know, Stephen King these days can just write all he wants and they adapt the medium to fit him. But comics aren't like that, which is why I think they remain like kind of exciting in a way. So like a graphic novel. Like can, yeah, 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 exactly. And yeah. a comic you know, I, I was like, this book is going to be 304 pages long. So I had the, my spreadsheet with my scenes and then page numbers. And, you know, somebody else might be like, look, dude, like maybe put a little artistry in your process, like stop making spreadsheets. But that's like what I need to to cut loose later, you know. And once sure. I know my book is exactly 304 pages because the little like spreadsheet algorithm like broke it down, then I start drawing. And if I need to like make changes, I can always go back to that document and steal two pages from somewhere so I could get a spread later in the book or something. Mm -hmm. um, because I, I want it to feel like a movie, like comics can be their own thing. I love Scott McCloud and the potential of comics and the infinite canvas and all these ideas. But like with this, these books, I want them to make a kid fall in love with like a movie, the idea of like a, a short singular story that kind of like plays out over like a two hour period of time so that they all are going to be formatted in that way and without like intense scripting it, i just don't think it would quite work yeah. so that's well, kind of that process well i mean I, I think you're right i mean like i mean you have to structure these things out because like you said there's only 20 pages or 300 or so pages. like right there are only so many pages that they're going to let you have they're not going to say like yeah sure you can have two more pages or one more page like it doesn't work that way uh, math mm -hmm. doesn't work that way um so it's kind of cool like that you have to kind of figure out that sort of that structure and then um you know page turn beats and surprises mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff kind of really do play a hand and you know and it's it's amazing how malleable stories are when you need to like do something you're like like, oh, okay, this is like, if I've broken the acts down, I only have a hundred and, you know, eight pages to work with per act. And, mm -hmm. you know, but I gotta like, it seems I have more than this here, but you're, you'll be able to find ways to condense things and double up something and, you know, figure out how to like, you know, be more efficient. And then, the, okay, now I'm cool that, or I need to fill this out. How do I fill this out? And then you're like, you know what? I haven't really talked about you know, they, they need a mentor, you know, like, right, totally. maybe like stand on the mentor <laughs> section, you know, like, or whatever the thing is, like, it's a really yeah. cool kind of, you know, thing. And then you can kind of get in there and add your, add your pages and much easier to do once again with words than it is with, um, you know, pictures. Yeah. And when you have elements like that, you know, like the, like you, there's the mentoring scene, like if another artist was telling this story with, you know, the, the themes they value, they might not have the mentor scene or it might be way shorter. But for me, it's like, this book is kind of about how much work it takes to make a movie or, or a comic or anything. And like yeah. how it's kind of magical that it happens. Because mm -hmm. to me, like once you learn to appreciate that, you just, learn to value this stuff and you don't argue about the dumb things about how like the last Jedi sucks because of whatever, you know, like sure. you can actually just maybe like look at the cinematography for a while or think about the score. Like you can think yeah. about all the magic that comes together, not just like that first response. Um, so I, I kind of wanted the book to 
you know, you know, there's a scene where Elijah is just like rattling off random movies he loves. Yeah, and, I and love he's it. talking to a prop maker. He's not even talking to a famous actor. He's talking yeah. to like a dude so far behind the scenes you'd never know his name. Um, yeah, but those because, movies wouldn't look like they did if it wasn't for the prop maker. Yeah, and, and it also gave you an opportunity to kind of like change up your style and have some mm -hmm. fun, with, you know, fun with different different effects and make the you know the pages come together. But then like. The magic of the prop, you know, the propman's, you know, shop, like all these kind of cool little, it was fun. Yeah. And like, theoretically, that's why any of us love, you know, the medium we choose because like where it takes you in the world, it's like, you know, I, I love being able to sit at my desk and draw, listen to a podcast or audiobook. Mm -hmm. um, you know, other people need another sort of situation and might be drawn to a different artistic form. But it's like, so with that book, I, I wanted to talk about like what's unique about filmmaking and you know the you can kind of see the art style change like when they look through their super 8 camera yeah. and in spirit week it goes way further where we're looking at like um tabloid magazines and we're looking at old films and we're looking at uh news broadcasts so you know there's like the medium is the message idea um you know i want kids to like think about how these things are made uh but you know i think that's fun yeah no i no i totally i right. totally agree um Gary, Gary, what do you, what you, what you got going on there, buddy? Some chainsaws. Um, yeah, chainsaw. <laughs> this is uh, okay. one of the pages in the United Forces issue three that I'm working on. Nice. Is that the chainsaw from Evil Dead? It's just kind of a little cameo. It is a tribute to big. Oh, is it? Okay. There's yeah. There's parts. Uh, this whole comic has tributes to all the good, different good stuff. Good pull out, Ira. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's Phil, I mean, we that's, all. Victor we all come from the same place here. They're running away yeah. from the sewer monster, and okay. they're uh, getting to uh, the subway in New York City. I and, love that, uh, that bottom panel. They're jumping onto this yeah, onto the train, awesome. onto the subway. Ding! Staying clear of the closing doors. <laughs> I've been watching you. Are you masking with the purple, or is that actually the color that it's going to be? This is the color or... that's on them because they were oh, fighting okay. the monster. Now they're running like a from goo gooey finger. Oh, print. I see. Okay. Yeah. I just I love watching just. You know, because you can always learn a little thing. Like, I don't have a lot of cartooning friends in real life, but I have a couple. And, like, I can never not go down the hole of, like, wait, what shortcut do you use for this? Because you sure. never know what the thing is that's going to yeah, save no. you a lot of time. No, but I'm with you with uh, making the colored layers to mask things. And um, I do color on different layers so that I can mm -hmm. select that layer to delete or inverse or something. So it makes it yeah. easier for me. I've been using Photoshop since 2003, and since I, don't, sure. I get it for free because I teach, um, I teach some Adobe stuff in um, at LA Film School. Oh, so okay. I, so I I've just been in Photoshop forever, so I haven't really gone out of any other. I never tried the other ones. I know I Alex know. is like you got to try this, but I tried to get into the one that Alex I know, wanted it can me be to, hard. but. Uh, for some reason, I can't. They won't let me download it. They won't let me go in there and get it. I have no idea. I, I, Sounds I'm, like a technical issue. Uh, yeah. What What is it? The one that you like, Clip Alex? Clip Studio. Clip Studio. Yeah. Okay. You can download it. I mean, it's it is a little convoluted. I mean, it's definitely not as easy to download and and kind of manage as Adobe because Adobe. It's like the Disney world of like software. Sure. It's like, oh, yeah. you just put on your bracelet and walk through the gate and we'll just keep charging you. That'll be 50 bucks. Time. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, but, that's, yeah. That's why I, th I thank my but, school that I teach at so that I can have Adobe. <laughs> yeah. 
no, I, it's, it's cool. I mean, you know, Gary, Gary will draw most every, you know, week, you know, if not every minute of the show and like, I'll, Keep I'll something going on the thing. screen. I'll see him like, yeah. you know, he'll, he'll like throw down color and then he'll be masking this thing. I'm like, wait, what's he doing? Like, I'm like, I, <laughs> I watch too much. Cause then I get distracted. Wait a second. Right. I, I thought he was going to do this. Oh, he did this. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Cause you just see him like put some stuff down. You're like, well, what's he going to do with that? And the next thing you know, he's at like, clicking and the things are like, answer running all over the image and then next thing you know like, the whole <laughs> thing happening you're like oh okay, cool. that's good so it's exciting uh, i would i get so stressed out i i never like live stream anything like whenever somebody's watching me draw like if i'm doing a workshop and a tutorial or something i suddenly i don't know how to do anything so i admire that you're able to just like do this live on the air and well, actually the, be the, making a finished product i can i can um do it and listen to you just like you okay. do this right anybody yeah, can sure but then um I'm like, I hear Gifted. something or I see something out of the right side of my eye. And I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> Gary's, you know, the thing is, is our Gary is actually listening to a podcast. It's us. Yes. And it's, but oh. he gets <laughs> All right. Gary actually gets to ask questions and, and engage with the podcast. So it's a it's like the best of both worlds. It's wow. He is really living the dream. I yeah, am. Um, I Gary, am. Gary is absolutely living the dream. <laughs> I've convinced to that. Um, Gary, so. Yeah, Ira, we're gonna I'm gonna cut in here briefly, but Gary, you you're busy because this is gonna come out I'm on busy. June next week in June, so the beginning of June, whatever that is next week. This will this will be posting. What's I'm not really posting? good at this. There you go on the seventh of June. So there you go. Um, and Gary, you're busy with it's monkey time. That's right, monkey time. Uh, this thing right here. There we go. Yeah. The Kickstarter is live. It is, it is live. live. We um, are just waiting for more people to spend money. <laughs> Isn't that the way? <laughs> That's the meaning of life. Yeah. Sure. If you go to monarchcomics.com, you'll go straight to kick. There's a link on monarchcomics.com that goes to the straight to the Kickstarter. It's monkey time. Yeah. 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 It's going well. You guys, you guys are doing really well. And you got a whole bunch of, uh, what are the perks things whatever they're called yeah we got the stickers down and we got a couple more bucks and we'll have the first train card nice with uh betty betty the pig and murray the monkey they're detectives in that trading card (laughs) and they're in a haunted house (laughs) awesome dude it's exciting i'm glad i'm glad it's fun no it's coming together great and I, you know like yeah it was last i guess it was was it last year it was last summer you were like summer like hey i'm gonna do this thing and i'm like cool we talked and we talked about it a bunch of times and then bang you put it up you put it all together so i'm excited i'm excited to see this i'm excited for my copy to be coming to me so yeah you're getting a copy <laughs> um, as long as i don't mess up and not fill out like my address or something like that yeah so. you gotta fill out your address <laughs> it's not that complicated yeah hey it is for Alex. some people because they just don't check their emails and they i'm do, like they do, do you want this or not right i, I want to give it to you know, can can we get our hands on uh, shark T-shirts? Do you have Ooh, like shark <laughs> T-shirts? No, I'm not. I'm not to the level yet. Like, see, I'm. I mean, I in a perfect world, I I could make little stickers and like trading cards. I would love to make some merch, but I just can't. I, I feel yeah. like I had to cut that out of my life, but no, I can't. I'm not, uh, unless my publisher wants to make a shark t-shirt. Print on demand shark t-shirts on your, on your web store. That'd be sweet, man. It could I order know. A shark. 
t-shirt. I know. I do know some screen printers in town. I think yeah. I, right now I don't have that itch. You know, like Gary, you probably feel like th this with when you're planning out those like totally. the tiers, you're like, what do yes. I want to make? Do I want to make a sticker pack? Do I want to make a foil <laughs> embossing? You know, you got to pick the thing you're excited about. Otherwise it becomes the, not the fun to mail you're out. excited about and the things that are cheap enough. Yes. Yeah, it's a, right there in the middle. To, yeah, to actually yeah. produce because those t-shirts are not cheap. No, oh, no, no, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. It's a I'll make some stickers at some point or a postcard, but I, yeah, Shark Summer is not at a t-shirt level. And a mini, and a little mini cat, a mini um, ash can comic of uh, our thing we're putting in the oh in, hell yeah in the stretch goals too. So yeah, we'll be yeah, ash can that goes way back, right? Conjunct, conjunct, a stapler. Yeah, with that long arm oh, yeah. stapler. Oh yeah, I'm going to oh, go yeah. get them printed, and then I'm going to cut them all and chunk, chunk my own stapler. I'm doing it all DIY. Nice. Yeah, That's I want that money it. in my pocket and in Phil's pocket. There you go. Right. I, I want, I want, <laughs> I want you guys to have the money too. So, Shark Summer is out. Yay! Uh, yeah, it's uh, in all uh, bookstores across Shark Summer. Oh, that's a good voice. That's your in a world voice, huh? At yeah. Barnes and Nobles. And your local bookstore, hopefully. <laughs> and yeah. your local comic book store. Oh, I don't know about that, actually. I don't know. What? Most comic... You got to get in the comic book store, dude. But like Little little Brown, it's yeah, not like a publisher. You know, that it's not a publisher you'd find in a comic shop. That's the you weird gotta thing. You got to get it's it like... into comic stores, dude, because the comic store down here where I live called um, Blackbird Comics. They do everything, kids' books, comic books, oh, everything. Okay. Maybe you got it's it. in more than I know, but yeah. You got to do it, man. That's I went down there. The thing, the reason why I just started doing It's Monkey Time is I went into the comic store, and I, and they have a section for kids' books, and I saw Dogman, and I'm like, yeah, shit, I could do that. Right. <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> I was like, God damn. Yeah. You know, I mean, I started looking through that book and going, this is really fucking good. It is good. Dogman is, is really good. And yeah. it's like the easiest to draw. And right. I'm like, how can I draw easier than what I'm doing? Because right now, it's, this is a little bit more skillful than Dogman, you know? Right. It, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's leaning up a slight age group. Like, it, Yeah. It's it's tough, man, to, to draw uh, like that. To draw simplistic. Yeah. Like, like a kid. It's so hard. <laughs> right to reduce i mean that's like the magic of eric carl like those children you know harold in the purple crayon like the mm -hmm. pure yes. simplicity yeah um, it's just from a different place in the brain honestly because eric carl yeah. he was like a graphic artist yeah. like i feel like comics are naturally complicated <laughs> for some they reason because that's what you grow up with the stories are also yes. like interwoven um to yeah. try to switch gears into like the dog man zone, you have to undo a lot of what you think Dude, makes I, a story. I, I have had to, <laughs> right. and I'm like, man, I'm trying to bring in my uh, my inner Calvin and Hobbes when I'm drawing, when I'm getting the, oh, yeah, the brush strokes and stuff, like mm -hmm. the the tail on Marie uh, on this right. cover totally. right here. I try. Yeah, to it's do definitely like, a Hobbes tail. Yeah, that's a Hobbes tail. That's tribute to Hobbes right there, man. I can you see. Know? It. Yeah, the way you do the like. The line runs outside of the yeah uh, the yeah. The, yeah it goes Bob's outside yeah. <laughs> yeah the containment the hell with containment just let it yeah. go <laughs> yeah you got you got to have that fun that's fun right there yeah yeah it's whimsical it's fun it's 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 I don't care let's do this <laughs> but you care because you don't want it to you don't want to ruin it you got to take your fun seriously you got to take your fun okay sorry oh, it's sorry. all it's all fun it's all careless fun. 
I'm crazy over here. Yeah. <laughs> so when when is when is Spirit Week hitting? Like when is everyone can? Yeah. Pre what is that? Oh uh, yeah. Well, Spirit Week you can pre-order uh, now wherever you pre-order comics, and um, it'll be in bookstores October 25th, right in time for Halloween. Oh, that's awesome. The dream, like putting out a Halloween book. I'm so I'm so excited. It, I I spent 18 hard months getting this ready in time to have it come out the next year after Shark Summer. Um, so hopefully it pays off to turn it around that quick. But that's yeah. that's it's, not it's, a lot of time. You did a lot of work in that book, bro. That's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, me I, and you know, my editor, everybody that was like yeah, spell checking while I was coloring, while I was still inking secretly, yeah. like it was yeah. uh, kind of a nightmare for some people. <laughs> but, but you, you know. love it. You that's what you you thrive on it though. <laughs> uh yeah. The third the third book is gonna be a couple years out schedule wise. So I I'm too, getting too old to <laughs> turn something around like, like, you know yeah i guess i guess 300 plus pages every year and a half is a is a impossible a for me young, a young 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 person's game yeah. yeah can you do less pages and do and get kind of like the same price can you do less <laughs> uh, well you know when you're talking about like the you know the dog man market really does open up like what a comic can be and i get what you're saying we're like oh i could that i can do that mentality so like um theoretically i could but i think that's why I, I had to pick this as a series because i think it opens up too many questions of how i could draw something so it's going to be roughly 300 pages and it'll look similar with the, if anything it'll get a little richer color wise i think because now i have mm. like a real colorist who's nice. willing to do like some of the extra work to make the color do a lot more storytelling um, wow, that's, great. that's great so okay. you know i think if anything they might get a little more complicated as they go but um I, i'm trying to like keep it in this middle upper middle grade market is where it sits you're well, supervising it i think you're yeah <laughs> i mean I think your stories are right there like that's your i think you're in that sweet spot you know with yeah with with your sort of your your subject matter and the in the sort of the levels and layers that you're putting into the story so yeah yeah right on i'm super excited yeah. man i can't i can't cool, wait to see i can't wait to see i mean i we're fortunate we get to actually read spirit week in advance so this is good um mm -hmm. but uh <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but it's good it's great uh, i can't wait for other everyone else to get their hands on it as well so yeah thanks all right this was you a nice good? talk you good are you okay yeah i'm Shake fine it. yeah yeah good oh yeah sure <laughs> I, I always look like this <laughs> okay <laughs> thanks for coming on man yeah thanks great. guys you guys are awesome uh the yeah. show is awesome i listened to a bunch of episodes thanks. oh sweet um I was what's what's her name who does the the cool frog comics? Oh, uh, well, Leanne Leanna Stout. Yeah, Leanna. I love her stuff. Oh, I, I was just uh, listening to you guys do She's that episode. Really I'm like, oh man, I would love to have a reason to talk to her. <laughs> she is, yeah. Like, I mean, to feel like you get to hang out with a mad scientist, like I kind of feel like that's where I was. She's just unbelievably talented and yeah, just in tune with like the thing I, I i i love her work um, yeah it's in a category of its own like you can't even yes. you couldn't make that happen if you tried like it, no. she's just, like you, it's familiar but it's also like totally new in that perfect way you know uh yeah, yeah it rules she's, she's doing her thing and i think that's you know we're all very fortunate for that yeah um, yeah well so, hey yeah, um go everyone go to uh ira marks on instagram or twitter and then yeah. That was an lnk.bio slash Ira Marks and all the other information. That's an easy thing to remember. 
iremarks.com has it yeah. all also. There you go. iremarks.com. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, like, click, subscribe, whatever. I already played the music. We're just going to stop this crap. <laughs> Back Gary's Kickstarter. That's right. Get on there and buy Shark Summer.